technology has revolutionized the business and even our personal world in so many ways. But because you no longer need to commute into an office or sit in a particular place or work during a particular period, you know, we're way past the industrial revolution when everyone needed to be on the factory floor at the same time doing their tasks. So freelancers are expected to outpace the number of traditional workers in the economy in the next 10 years. I am so obsessed with this episode. I love everything that Laura talks about in this episode and This episode is also a giveaway episode. Um, If you remember, a couple of months ago, I gave away Pat Flynn's super fans book, and I felt like Santa Claus, and I thought it was terrific. So Laura is letting me relive that experience, and we are giving away one copy of her book, which is called Start Your Own Freelance Writing Business. And let me tell you, if you want to learn how to start a freelance writing business, or really a freelance business, um, a freelance content creation business, you are going to definitely want to learn from Laura because she has done this in the six figures. And as you're going to hear in this episode, she has all of the expertise that you could need to start and scale your own freelance business. So To get in on the giveaway, to get that book, make sure you head to the show notes for this episode. All of the information is there and you will need to enter. Um, The giveaway is going to last about two weeks or a week. I haven't really decided yet. So if you are listening to this live, then make sure you head to the show notes like ASAP so you can enter to win Laura's book. Ever wonder how some people seem to get a ton of media coverage and you don't? Welcome to Become a Media Maven, where TV reporter, host, and news contributor Christina Nicholson shares years of media experience to help you get the media attention you and your business deserve. And now, to help you master your media coverage, Christina Nicholson. Laura, I am so glad to chat with you on the Become a Media Maven podcast. Thank you for having me. I am a big fan and listener on the show, so it's cool to be in this position. Oh, good. That's awesome. Um, As you know, I am obsessed with everything freelancer. When I first started this entrepreneur journey of mine over four years ago, I actually called myself a professional freelancer. Um, I have shifted to business owner with a team, but my team, they're all freelancers. I do not want employees. They're all freelancers. They're all independent contractors. And when you tell me that's the way of the future, I'm like, heck yeah, I'm ahead of the game. (laughs) You are ahead of the game. And I love to hear that because more and more companies, even those that would traditionally not jump into hiring freelancers, they're kind of seeing that that's the future and kind of seeing how it benefits their business. And it makes for happier independent contractors working on their team too. So you're not alone. And that's the good news. Totally. I mean, I see benefits on both sides. Like it's a lot less stress for me. And it's a lot better for them because they have the opportunity to make so much money. And they can work from wherever they want, whenever they want. Like you get all of the benefits and more of full-time employment, you just don't realize it because I feel like it's something new that some people don't really understand. It's not traditional yet. So I'm so glad you're here to talk to us about it all and break it down. But first, for people who are not familiar with you, tell us who you are, what you do, and how you've kind of carved this path as being like the go-to on everything freelancing. 
Well, I became a freelancer accidentally. I had always thought that it would be really hard to make a living as a creative, especially as a writer. There's such a stigma out there that creatives are starving artists and it's a really hard lifestyle and it's something you do as only a side hustle. But that's increasingly less true. I used to be a teacher. I was on track to become an academic, was in a PhD program, teaching seventh grade in Baltimore City Public Schools and realized that I didn't want to be a teacher anymore. And so I started looking for ways to take some of the skills that I did have and turn that into other opportunities and really did start out as a side hustle, a couple of writing clients here and there, but um, it wasn't full time for a while. I stayed part time for about a year and I have been full time freelancing since the summer of 2013 ever since. And it's opened so many doors. It's such a much better fit for me than working in a traditional job. And I've learned so many cool things and met so many cool people that I wouldn't have been able to interact with if I'd stayed in a more traditional job. So you started with just a couple of writing clients. How did you get those first writing clients in the very beginning? And who were they? What were you writing? What were you writing for? I used to write anything and any anyone would pay me for. Basically, I started out with blogging because I thought that would be the easiest to teach myself, which was true. So there's all different kinds of freelancing out there. But in the world of writing, you can do sales copy, you can do technical writing, you can do blogs and articles, emails, podcasts, show notes, there's so many different options. And I thought blogs would be the easiest to learn. So I wrote for wedding companies and event planning companies. I wrote for a pest control company. I wrote so many blogs about how to get rid of bed bugs. It's not even funny. I became like an expert on that topic from that client. And it really started to grow because my clients would say, okay, we don't just need one set of blogs. We need this ongoing. So how do we pay you on retainer? And that's when the light bulb went off of this could be a career. I could leave my job and do just this, learn new stuff every day and decide who I worked with and who I wasn't going to work with. Ooh, I like that. I actually, okay, I want to talk about pricing real quick before we go on, Mm. because I have somebody on my team who is obviously a freelancer. My whole team is made up of freelancers. And she'll ask me sometimes specifically about writing jobs. Um, Most of my team were former media, whether it be TV, print, um, broadcast, whatever. Um, And she'll ask me and she was charging hourly. And I was trying to get her away from that because She has insane experience storytelling in the news industry. She's fast. She's efficient. And I'm like, you're hurting yourself by charging hourly. Um, So I'm telling her she should be charging per project or per article, depending on how many words she's writing. So what would your feedback be to somebody like her who just doesn't know what to charge if they're starting out as a freelance writer? It's a great question, and it's a very common one that comes up. So she did the easiest thing to do when you're starting, which is to charge hourly because it's too difficult to figure out, you know, there's no magic calculator to say, well, here's my experience. Here's my background in this particular type of freelancing. Here's what that computes to as my per project rate or even an hourly rate. So what I recommend people do when they start is charge an hourly rate that they're comfortable with for limited time engagements. Don't take on a client at 20 hours a week and sign a six month contract because what if you hate it or what if you undersold yourself, but do some smaller projects first. And from there, you'll know if you oversold yourself because you'll have problems getting clients to pay you that rate or more likely you undersold yourself. And then you can kind of wrap up that project and say, Hey, I got some experience. I got a testimonial. I'm not ever charging that rate again. 
as soon as possible, you want to get away from the hourly model for the reason that you mentioned, which is you get punished for being fast. And also because there's only so many hours that you can sell in a day or a week. So it's much better to convert to a per project basis. Clients also like that too, because they know what they're going to pay. They're not going to get an invoice after the fact for 10 hours for something that they thought would take two. So when I quote clients, I say, this includes my research, my writing, my editing, and a round of revision. This is the flat price. And they know instantly, okay, I'm not going to get an invoice for any more than that. And I know all the bells and whistles that are included. And it also helps to protect you doing that because you set the boundaries of, you know, here's the expectations on revisions and things like that. So use your hourly experience and translate that over into a per project or per grouping of words rate as soon as you can. Okay, perfect. Love that. And let's just talk about the freelancing industry in general. You got into it in 2013. Um, That was a couple of years before I even knew what a freelancer was um, because I was working full-time in TV then. And I feel like now in 2019, it is very prevalent and it's going to be almost half of the workforce pretty soon, right? Yes. Freelancing is now made possible largely due to technology. I mean, technology has revolutionized the business and even our personal worlds in so many ways. But because you no longer need to commute into an office or sit in a particular place or work during a particular period, you know, we're way past the industrial revolution when everyone needed to be on the factory floor at the same time doing their tasks. So, Freelancers are expected to outpace the number of traditional workers in the economy in the next 10 years. More companies than ever are using freelancing. More people than ever are freelancing either as a side hustle, and they're happy to keep it that way. Others are looking to scale up to replace their day job income or even exceed it. And I think a lot of that is just thanks to the fact that we have tools like Wi-Fi. We have you know Zoom and Skype for video conferencing. And a lot of the work today is knowledge-based work, so it's a specific output that you can do at any time of the day based on, you know, your own flexibility and needs. So it's the best time to be a freelancer is definitely right now. Agree. Let's talk about the benefits both for us as a freelancer and the business owner who is going to hire a freelancer. Mm. So for the freelancer, I'd say the biggest benefits are the flexibility, the freedom, the opportunity to earn more because it's definitely there, especially once you transition to that per piece um, projects based pricing on your experience. And a lot of people that are freelance also tend to have more advanced skills because they invest in themselves. So they're continually learning something new. Whereas if you work in a company, you're sort of relying on whatever you choose to invest in yourself. Maybe your employer has a personal development or a skill budget and you take a course a year. Freelancers tend to be a lot more forward thinking of, you know, what's coming, what do I need to learn, what of my skills are maybe, you know, kind of growing dormant or aren't as popular in the industry anymore. So those are the biggest reasons why someone would freelance. For companies, it's all about being able to partner with the best talent regardless of their geographic location. They also only pay for the work that gets completed. So they don't have to pay a salary and benefits and provide office space to someone when maybe that person doesn't need 30 or 40 hours a week to do their work. So companies pay for the output or the specific thing they have needs for without having to worry so much about all of those other aspects. I love that. And I want to say a couple of things um, about that. Um, I've had people, because I only hire freelancers, and I've put some feelers out there when I'm hiring certain positions, and I have had people 
turn me down because they want benefits like health insurance or vacation. And I explained to them, and again, I think this is one of those things where you don't know what you don't know. If you're, if mm-hmm. you're not familiar with the freelancer world, you just don't know. When it comes to vacation, you have unlimited vacation because if mm-hmm. you need to get something done, you literally can work from anywhere and you can just tell the person you're freelancing for, hey, I'm taking a vacation this week and that's it. Because as a freelancer, you have that freedom. And then when it comes to health insurance benefits, Let's keep it real, people. Unless you are working for some ginormous company, the health insurance benefits you have probably suck. You're probably Mm -hmm. paying a lot in health insurance, and then you have to, you don't notice it because it's coming out of your check, but hey, a few hundred dollars every month are coming out. Then you have your deductible. Then you have your co-pays. Then you got the 20% you got to pay on top of that. And I don't know what you use, Laura. I use a Christian health share plan, which is better than any insurance that you can get at any job. It's Yeah, and it's definitely a downside of freelancing that you do have to provide for your own benefits or go without them. I went without for five years. The only time that was a problem was when I needed to get my appendix taken out. Um, So that was, you know, I kind of think of insurance, you know, if you're planning to have a family, of course, you have other concerns to think about with your kids and covering them and everything. But as an individual, I decided to try to keep myself as healthy as possible for a while and recognize that you know, paying out of pocket for health insurance. It was so expensive what they quoted me, even as a healthy person in my mid to late 20s. It just wasn't worth it, like you said, to take it on. And then these deductibles were so many thousands of dollars. I just thought, unless I'm in something like a car accident, I'm not really going to trigger that. So I went without for a while. There are options that you can invest in. Um, I'm on my husband's health care insurance. He was in the military. So um, I got that. And then he now has a civilian job, which I'm on the health insurance for that. But of course, there's pros and cons to everything. It's about what can you deal with the negatives of in your job. So for me, being a freelancer, one of the negatives is I've got to figure out a way to find health insurance that's affordable. But for me, there's so many positive trade-offs in what I get to do as a freelancer that I'm willing to accept that negative aspect. So um, yeah, I think there's just, I think you're absolutely right too. So many people have access to health insurance that you think it's covering you and then you go to the doctor and it's still this massive deductible. And at the end of the year, you're like, did I even like make up the difference in what I was paying, you know, out of my paycheck or what my employer was paying for it? So health insurance is just such a mess for sure. It is. And something, I mean, we'll get back to freelancing, but one more thing on the health insurance, because I know that's a big part for some people in leaving their jobs. I was paying for private health insurance through United Healthcare, and I unexpectedly became pregnant and they would not mm. cover any of my maternity coverage. And I said, I've been paying you over $500 a month for years. And they said, yeah, but it doesn't include maternity. And I said, all right, we'll just add it. And they said, no, we're not going to do that. We can't do that. And (laughs) no other company would give me maternity coverage. Um, Not even the Christian health shares, because unfortunately Mm. in this country, becoming pregnant is considered a pre-existing condition. So we looked (laughs) at... um, We looked at me getting on my husband's insurance and it would have cost more. So I challenge people, regardless of what health insurance you have, when you go to the doctor or when you get a prescription, ask what the self-pay rate is. Because Mm -hmm. nine times out of 10, it's cheaper 
than when you go through your insurance. Now, I know this doesn't make sense, but let me tell you what I have found. I swear, I became like a health insurance investigative reporter during six months (laughs) of the first six months of my pregnancy. This is what happens, y'all. You're already paying your monthly premium, right? So that adds up. Then you have to pay a deductible, so that adds up. But what happens is you go to the doctor and say something costs $200. They will bill your insurance $2,000. And they do this for two reasons. One, because they want to pay themselves for taking the time to bill their insurance. And two, they know the insurance company is going to try not to pay as much as they can. So they Mm. jack it up so they can try to get at least a little something. So then even after that, you're going to pay 20% on the $2,000. When you just go in and you self-pay, it's going to cost you 200 bucks. And I'm telling you, I did this for six months at every doctor's visit, for every blood work, for every prescription. And I think only one time insurance saved me money and it was literally a few dollars that it saved me. Isn't that crazy? And you bring up another really good point too about maternity or even paternity leave. I know a lot of freelancers who choose to freelance because they want that flexibility to be able to take care of their family. They have someone with special needs. They have an aging parent, whatever it might be. But maternity leave in the U.S. is also really lacking in the vast majority of companies. So when you're a freelancer, you can bring on other independent contractors to cover you on your maternity leave as long as you need. So you define what that amount is rather than your employer saying, oh yeah, here's four weeks, here's six weeks, you know, or you could do FMLA and and take unpaid leave. So you have more flexibility with that too. And also if you're working from home, you might be able to ease back into it and say, okay, I work a couple hours a day. I found this, you know, magic point where I've got childcare covered and I can still freelance for my clients and maybe rely on some of my subcontractors to do client work. It's a little bit easier for a lot of people to do that when they are looking in advance and saying, okay, how do I set my business up knowing what I want to get out of maternity or paternity leave? Totally agree. We could go on and on. Like, I just feel like the benefits totally outweigh the negatives when it comes to being your own boss as a freelancer. Now, talk to me about your TED Talks. You've done two TEDx Talks on this topic. How did those come about? And what did you share in those talks that maybe you haven't shared yet? And I am going to link to them in the show notes of this episode for people who want to watch as well. Cool. So I'm a very intentional person. I very much wanted to do TEDx talks because even though I've been very lucky with clients who get what freelancing is and why you'd hire a freelancer, I still meet people who don't know what a freelancer is or they assume it's an Uber driver and that's it. And I meet plenty of companies that are like, yeah, we've been thinking about that, but you know, we don't really know how that works. It blows my mind because I have been doing this full time for six years. And I thought, you know, there's no real... TEDx talk about how much the workforce is changing, how much it's going to change in the next 10 years. So I really set out with the goal of doing a TEDx talk and got a couple of offers to do them. And of course, you know, you know, from experience, they have to be different each time that you present it. So I did one that's sort of like an introduction to freelancing. What is it? What does it look like? How are people and companies leveraging this? And then my second one was still about the topic of freelancing, but was specifically with the spin of why are we not doing a better job of preparing students to be self-starters, encouraging them to freelance while in high school, college, graduate school, because those skills easily become transferable to their own entrepreneurship or the most in-demand skills gap jobs we have in the United States. 
outside of manufacturing are in technology. So that one was really about, you know, how do you start picking up these skills, decide what you like and don't while you're still in school, and then translate that into opportunities after graduation. So it was really a, a great experience to be able to do two TEDx talks and to kind of raise some awareness about what freelancing looks like today. I love that second point. I feel like I recently had an epiphany about why people go on power trips and, you know, because like we've all had those jobs where there's a manager who just power trips for the sake of it because they can. <laughs> um, and I feel like it's because all we know is being told what to do. We're just supposed to follow orders. Like when you're little, you listen to your parents. When you're at school, you just do what the teacher says. Then you go to college and it's like, well, just do a good job in school. Do what you're told and then you'll get a get a job, mm-hmm. a really good job. And then you go to the job and you're just supposed to do what you're told and do a good job and then you get paid. And it's like when people are actually given a little bit of power, they don't know what the heck to do and they power trip and they turn into freaking nightmares. I was like, that's why people power trip because they finally have the freedom to not like listen to somebody and they don't know what to do with themselves. So they turn like evil and crazy. But I think that's so important because um, not to go all anti-college on you, but you're asking, you know, why are we not doing more to teach students how to do this? I feel like a lot of what you get in school or in college specifically, you are being taught things by people who have never actually done what they're teaching. And I think maybe we're not teaching people this kind of stuff in school because nobody's actually done it. Right. And I think we're, I mean, it's doing such a disservice to students who graduate with $50,000 or more of debt. Then they go to a job interview if they're lucky enough to get one. And the business asks, okay, do you know Entreport? Do you know Salesforce? Do you know how to use Zapier? Like all these software programs that especially in online marketing, the student is like, I don't know what you're talking about, right? Like I studied communications or, you know, whatever you studied, and it isn't directly relevant to the type of skills or software that students really need to have to be competitive. And it's so frustrating for students because they're looking for jobs and they have great, you know, backgrounds and are interested in working, but they can't really leverage that into an opportunity. So, I, that's why I was encouraging students, you know, not only do you pick up these the software knowledge and the online marketing awareness that are really transferable skills, freelancing teaches you soft skills too: communication, negotiation, jumping into teams, providing insight, analyzing data, all of these different things are things that you pick up as a freelancer. You know, it's funny, I offered to go talk to a business program at a university that was near me a couple of years ago and for free. I was like, I'll come in. Let me tell you about why students need to consider freelancing the most in-demand freelance careers and niches. The professor wrote back and said, thanks. This won't be helpful as we're training students for real careers. And I was like, wait, my job isn't real because the IRS totally thinks it's real. Like I was just blown away that we are not helping these students. I didn't know about it. You know, I found out about this accidentally. So it it really makes me so frustrated. And that's another reason why I did the TEDx talk. So I was like, I want students to know about this. And I had so many students come up to me after my second one at Georgia Tech, students at that university saying, hey, I've been freelancing. I'm going to start freelancing because of this. And I was like, okay, all my my hard work was worth it, even if it's only one person who hears the message and 
does something with it. That's amazing. I actually have a similar story at a college here in South Florida. It's a private university, so it costs a pretty penny. And I inquired about being an adjunct professor in teaching broadcast media. You know, like I've been a reporter and anchor for 10 years. I would make a great adjunct professor. professor. And, And the guy who ran the department said do you have a master's? And I said, no, I don't have a master's. But again, you know, like I've done this for 10 years. And he said, oh, well, you can't do it if you don't have a master's. And I said, well, the person teaching broadcast media now, have they worked in the industry? They said, no, they, they've never worked in the industry, but they have a <laughs> master's in it. And I'm like, dear God, these students are paying an ungodly amount of money to learn broadcast media from somebody who has never worked a day in broadcast media. But she has a master's in it. See, isn't that crazy? And then students think they're learning the most relevant information. And when they get out on the actual job market, they're not as competitive because it's either, you know, like some of it's relevant, but a lot of it isn't. Some of it's outdated. And the student doesn't really know the difference. So they don't come across as the best possible package when they submit job applications or when they go to interviews. And it's totally backwards how that's happening. And it, I'm hoping that maybe like, academia is slowly, you know, evolving to seeing where things are going with the workforce. Like if we really want to have a competitive economy in the U.S. and workforce here, we need to start preparing students for what jobs and careers look like today. It does not look like what it looked like for our parents or our grandparents. So let's stop feeding into a system that doesn't reflect what life is actually like after graduation. And you have just touched on a little bit of what is in your book, which is called Start Your Own Freelance Writing Business. Tell us how this book deal came to be um, from start to finish. Uh, You launched recently. Tell us all all about this because this is pretty impressive. Same thing as the TEDx talk. I said people need to know what this looks like today. When I started, there were not great resources out there. There were some, but especially with freelance writing, they were completely outdated. It was like, Pitch magazines and newspapers, okay, those are dying industries, right? And there's thousands of journalists who are out of work or who are underpaid, who are kind of crowding out that space, which has increasingly smaller budgets anyways, right? So I really wanted to do something that would help freelancers of today. How do you freelance online? How do you work remotely? How do you find clients and convince them to hire you when you're essentially a stranger on the internet, right? It's totally changed what freelancing looks like. You don't just have to live in Manhattan and find some agency that will throw you work where you have to go there in person. It looks completely different now. So I put together a book proposal. I spent about four months doing that. I hired a coach. That's one of my pro tips. I hired a coach to do a TEDx talk too. I found someone who did four. I said, teach me all your ways. So I hired somebody to help me with my book proposal. Um, Then we shopped that out to agents. I got an agent who started sort of shopping that, you know, there's all these go-betweens in the publishing world when you do traditional publishing. So she pitched it to publishers and, um, funnily enough, entrepreneur press came back, um, and they didn't go for the book that I had originally wanted to promote, but which was still about freelancing, but it was a little bit of a different take. They said, we really need an intro to freelance writing book. Could Laura write that? And then we'll see how that does and talk about other stuff. And so I kind of talked it over with my agent, like, do you think this is the route to go? You know, this is different than what we pitched. And she said, absolutely, you know, especially because 
I coach freelancers, but this is a really good beginner product. So it would be a great tool for me to direct people to who weren't a fit for courses or one-on-one coaching. So, um, yeah, it was a really fast time to go to publication. I wrote the book in three and a half months. We edited it over two months. And then a couple of months later, the book was in print and it's been live for about 45 days right now. So crazy, wild, fun experience, but it was absolutely a blast and I'm really glad I did it. That is amazing. And this was something that was on like, like the TEDx talk, like this is on your list of things to do. And you strategized about the correct way to move forward. And what I like about what you just said is you actually hired people who were probably freelancers, I'm going to (laughs) guess. You hired Mm -hmm. people (laughs) who have been there, done that. So you didn't waste time with all of this free BS online, probably half of it from people who have never actually done what they're teaching you how to do. So you didn't really waste any time. You knew exactly where to go and what to do. Yes. It's the fastest way to get to success. Find the expert in that thing. Follow their path. It cuts down your time tremendously. And it also helps you avoid really costly mistakes. So when I started submitting putting together a book proposal or even TEDx applications. I had no idea what I was doing. Do I want to burn bridges and blow opportunities by doing it the wrong way? No, I want my package to be as strong as possible when it goes out into the world. So I'm going to choose to work with somebody who's done that particular thing and can give me the insight to be on the fast track. Okay, so talk about, you mentioned uh, this book angle kind of got tweaked specifically to writing. And I do know that in the media industry, as far as like journalism, newspapers and magazines, people are happy to write for them for free because it's good exposure for their brand. Um, So it's good PR. But for that reason, they don't need a ton of writers. And the writers that they do have don't get paid a lot. And a lot of those writers actually turn into Mm. freelancers. So you were mentioning before that you were writing for wedding companies. You became a bed bug expert because you were writing for best companies. (laughs) So where do you find the writing jobs that will actually pay you more than like 25 cents for a hundred words? Yeah, great question. So you have to think about who the clients are who have money. Most Companies today recognize the importance of content marketing, but we don't necessarily want to be pitching to the broke companies or to the brand new companies that are self-funded where they don't have the budget to pay you. So I encourage you to think about industries that you're passionate about, that you have a background in. I specifically targeted attorneys after working for a couple months as a generalist. I said, you know what? These personal injury lawyers, they have the budget. If my work brings in a million dollar or multi-million dollar case for them, What they end up paying me looks like chump change. So there's certain industries like legal, medical. Another emerging one is CBD oil, supplements, all of that good stuff. Um, There's a big demand to create content around that. So think about who the clients are that have monies uh, to pay you. So it's your big businesses. It's those that have a healthy marketing budget. It's a well-funded startup that has a lot of potential to do really well with content marketing. And, you know, have a broad approach to where you find clients and who you pitch. And I'm sure you go over all of that and start your own freelance writing business, correct? Yes. I talk specifically about where to find clients, what to say, not to say, 
importance of contracts, how you pitch, writing proposals. It, it's basically the book that I wish I had when I got started. So I've taken all of my mistakes and as well as all the good things that I did and sort of condensed that in there for people who are looking for, you know, the easiest way to get started while avoiding as many headaches as possible. That is amazing. I am linking to that book in the show notes for this episode. Laura, where can people go to find out more about you? You can check out my website, which is betterbizacademy.com. I also have a podcast called Advanced Freelancing, so you can check that out if you are an intermediate or advanced freelancer who's trying to figure out how to scale as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been very educational for me, and I just love the topic, and I love chatting about it, so thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Laura. I love everything she talked about. I run my agency with nothing but freelancers. We are all a remote team. I do that on purpose. I do not care about what it looks like to have an office. I do not care about what it looks like to have certain employees report to an office and sit at a table. No, 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 no. In this day and age, people want flexibility. They want to be in control of how much money they make, and that is the freelance lifestyle. And as you just heard, it is taking over. Half of the workforce will be freelance in about eight years. So you are definitely going to want to get in on this while you can. Make sure you head to the show notes, enter to win Laura's book, Start Your Own Freelance Writing Business, and I hope to see you next week. Maybe, maybe not. I'm supposed to have a baby very soon, so maybe I'll see you next week. Maybe not. (laughs) We're just kind of playing it by ear here, people. I did not, um, I have a lot of interviews recorded, um, but I don't have a lot of interviews written and scheduled and um, edited and all of that jazz to go out, so... (laughs) If you miss me the next couple of weeks, that's because I am busy giving birth and taking care of a newborn. Um, But hey, I'll see you when I'll see you. I won't take off more than a few weeks at a time. So hopefully I'll see you next week. The next episode is going to be a continuation of that first Ask Me Anything. I was going to do that Ask Me Anything in one episode, but I had so many amazing questions and I was coming up on 30 minutes and I thought, good Lord, I don't want these people to be sitting here for an hour listening to me. So I broke it up into two parts. So that will be the next episode that you have to look forward to. Thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you soon.